You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 204. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I am not good at the whole giving up control business. I have a friend who agrees with me. We both say, I wouldn't have expressed my opinion if I didn't think I was right. And although I'm working to delegate more, I tend to do things myself so they can be done properly. You know what I mean? So 10th Avenue North song Control, Somehow You Want Me, made me ask what character in the Bible would have put this tune on repeat? And I picked Jacob. But before we head over to Genesis, let's listen. God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. I love studying the characters of the Bible. This brings me to the two main bites for this week. Uh, BITE is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, and I use these habits to keep my time in God's Word varied. I hope that you'll try them out too. So this week we're going to study a character, and that's the first bite. The second bite goes hand in hand with that. Remember that the characters in the Bible are real. So as you're studying a character, don't forget they're real. Sometimes we only get a few descriptive verses that are real easy to skim over. However, if you remember that the characters are real, you can easily put yourself in their shoes. And the only person in the Bible that we can emulate every time is Jesus. So don't get stuck when characters in God's word um, mess up or aren't the best examples to us, okay? So especially the ones who are key players in the overarching story of the Bible. It gets really frustrating to me sometimes where I'm thinking, I wish they wouldn't have said that, or I wish that, why'd they do that? Or I don't understand why God would put that in there. He's almost glorifying um, their uh, their sin. And sometimes I like, kind of like that, I almost accuse God of making a mistake when he puts certain aspects of the story in the Bible. It might be an indication that God condones behavior that isn't right. But much like I have to do as a parent, we live in a fallen world. The characters in the in life are real, and the characters in the Bible are real, and they have they make really wise choices and really foolish choices, and both have consequences. And it's my job to confront those bad ideas with truth. So as you read the stories of the Bible where characters lie and cheat and steal and commit a variety of other sins, you must always line them up against God's truth his direction, his commandments, and his example in the life of Christ. But it's a little refreshing to see that God can use screw-ups and that they're woven into the fabric of God's story and thus our experience as we ponder them in Scripture. So let's take Jacob. In fact, we won't have time to give you the big picture today, so I recommend another couple of bites. 
First, read and keep on reading, meaning you might be tempted to stop when examining a certain part of the story, um, which we're going to do today, but it's good to start out by taking it all in. And that leads me to our next bite, which is reading in context. Now, when I normally when I say read in context, I suggest reading the chapter before and reading the chapter after where you're studying. But when you read and keep on reading, you could possibly have an even greater context than what I'm normally um, talking about. So in this case, we meet Jacob when he was born to Isaac in Genesis 25. We're going to end up in Genesis chapter 35. So when you read and keep on reading, you'll kind of take in this uh, story. Now, Isaac, his dad, has a fascinating story too. And when you read and keep on reading and take in the story of his father, it may just give you insight when understanding the son. So you may actually back up even further as you're considering Again, because we're studying a character, all of the story, all of the characters in his life, all of the players, his father, his mother, his brother, all of these people that we know a little bit about will have influence over his life. Now, here's one thing about Jacob's story. Jacob made some foolish and sinful choices, and Jacob made some wise choices too, and God knew all of that. He knew what kind of man he would be, and he knew what kind of man he would become before he was born. In Genesis 25, God says this to Jacob's mother, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So um, we learn a little bit about Jacob and his brother Esau even before they're born. Let's keep reading. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her room. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So isn't that interesting? Now, I'm not going to get into that right now because I may not be the best person, honestly, to unpack sibling rivalry or parents who love one child more than than the other because I'm an only child, so I got all the love. But if you are um, a sibling and you've ever felt that way, you know, like that one parent loved one sibling more than the other, you could stop here and you could ponder that and you could think about it. But you read and keep on reading because that's what we're doing this week. You read about how Jacob took Esau's birthright. You read about how Jacob took Esau's blessing. And then you read about how he has to run for his life. So you read about how Jacob has a personal experience with God. And I believe that this is where Jacob made a personal declaration of faith. And this part of Jacob's story is found in Genesis 28. I don't want to skip over all those things that led up to Genesis 28, we just don't have time today. So if you are, um, even if you are familiar with the story, go back and read because we're going to talk about some very specific ideas here. I've done that before where I've heard a sermon about a verse that maybe I'm very familiar with, but the, the person that is speaking on it brings a different perspective that I'd never thought about. So I go back and I read and I bring in all of my per- previous experience, all that God has already revealed to me in those 
stories and I add in this new revelation and it just makes my faith deeper. It makes my understanding deeper as I move along. So if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, you don't know Jacob and Esau, go read about them for the first time. And if you're very familiar with them, go read about them again. Okay. So this part, we're in Genesis chapter 28, is um, Jacob is on his way to where his mother is from. He's he's going to find someone to marry because his father's um, instructions and his blessing encourage that. And so he lays down for the night and he has a dream. And it's a very significant dream. Again, I've gone over it in previous podcasts, but um, it, it's a big part of this story. But I want you to read it for yourself. And when he wakes up, he says this. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, I don't know for sure that Jacob didn't already consider God his God. But if he did, he takes it a step further because he, scripture says that this is a vow. Um, I live in a very religious area. There are many who consider themselves Christians because their mama was. Okay. That's, so I'm not talking about, um, you know, they almost feel born into the faith rather than born again by their own personal faith in Christ. And as I consider Jacob and the life that he lived up to this point, that might have been him. Okay, so he's very aware of God. Obviously, um, he is eventually going to be in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, but there has to be a time. Jacob isn't born into this faith in God. He, it, it seems as if as though this is where it happens to, for him. Uh, he did not seem very reverent in his life up until this point. He seemed very flippant with his relationships. He seemed very willing to deceive, like his name is, is, is called grasps at the heel or the deceiver. That's what Jacob means. And um, perhaps he considered God the God of his parents and his ancestors, but not necessarily his God, or maybe had never really even thought about it. Yeah, he's my God, but wasn't his God, if you know what I'm saying. So part of giving up control, as our song discusses, is surrendering to God and accepting his lordship over our lives. We willingly do that because we can trust him. But we have to do that for ourselves. You know, that it's not an automatic, well, my mama was or my daddy was, and so therefore I am. Or because I do these very religious actions, like listening to Christian music, reading my Bible and praying and going to church, that does not make God your God. There has to be a surrender, um, a following after, a making him Lord. And just like Jacob obviously learns to trust him at this point in his journey, we have an option. You have an option right now. Do I trust him? Will I surrender? Now, he's had quite the experience in this place. It's a very vivid dream. I know we did not take time to unpack it. But when God meets you in a special way like that, He's hard to ignore. And so there's the fact that Jacob also at this place, he's been, God revealed himself in a very, a very real way. But secondarily, Jacob is very dependent upon God in a mighty way right now. 
He's pushed himself into a corner where he got what he wanted and he got what he strived for. He got first place in rank in his family um, by taking the birthright and he received the blessing he wanted. But now that he has it, he realizes all of the people that he's hurt along the way to get it. And now he's alone. <laughs> so much so that he's on the run and he's trying to start a new life far from home and far from the comforts that he was used to. So when we stop and think about him being real, you know, did he have a best friend that he had to leave behind? Did he have some love interest that he had to leave behind? The scripture doesn't tell us this, but you think about if you are, if you've ever moved away from home, those feelings and those, the things that you leave behind, yes, you have this possibility on the other side. But I'm not sure Jacob's leaving because of all the possibility. I mean, he's backed himself into a corner and he's running. And he was sent away to a new land to find a wife because the wives his brother Esau picked were that bad. Okay. And so Jacob was obviously very close to his mother. Would he, wouldn't he miss her? You know, he had a way of life that he was used to and now he's on his own. Did you notice that he asked for food to eat and clothes to wear? If you're a young person just launching out on your own, you know that cry, don't you? Right? We're actively trying to train our children right now to begin to take care of their own daily needs so that they they know what to do when they get out on, the, out on their own. But I've mentioned many a time to my husband, like, what would happen if I just took today off? Would they eat? Would they have clean clothes? Would they have clean dishes? Would they, you know, I'm sure a lot of that stuff was done for Jacob or in the context of the family environment that he was in. In fact, we stopped at the drugstore for a few things the other day, and I had Emily jump down and, um, uh, that's Cajun, by the way. I just realized jump down or, or get out of the car is what Northerners would say. But down here, we say we get down. So she would get down out of the car to uh, pick up some stuff from the drugstore and pay for them. We only got like two things, and it was $30. She got back in the car and said, if that was 30 bucks, how in the world am I supposed to live on my own? <laughs> And uh, it was funny at the time, of course, good eye opener for her and exactly what Jacob was probably feeling at this moment. He lived in a household where they had food to eat and clothes to wear. Where was he going to get these things now? He must trust God to provide. And he needs overwatch. He needs protection. He's asking God to watch over him and return him safely to his home. He needs God. And isn't that When we seek to have a personal relationship with him, isn't that when we're so desperate for him? There's never a time when we need him to be more real and more personal than when we are desperate. And I do want to point out a truth that is so beautifully mentioned in our song. God doesn't, um, he, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. He doesn't want us to surrender to him because he, he likes this puppet mat. He wants to be a puppet master. He doesn't want control because he's some sort of control freak. He doesn't want control over our lives because he needs an an army of mindless followers. Like our song says, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. And his desire for us to give up control is rooted in his love for us. He's he has a clear view of our here and now. He has a clear view of our past, probably clearer than our own view of our past, by the way. And he has a clear view of our future, our unknown. It's not unknown to him. And what it could be if we would just follow the plan that he lovingly lays out for us. And all the pitfalls that we could avoid if we would just surrender. So we see Jacob surrender to God at this moment. 
And is that his only time of surrender? No way. He must live a life of surrender to God and his plans. And as we continue to read, I was struck by the first verse of our song. Here I am All my intentions All my obsessions I want to lay them all down In your hands Only your love is vital Though I'm not entitled Still you call me your child so we're keep re- we keep reading. You could use the bite of making a list after you read and keep on reading. So you're going to read and keep on reading, and then you can go back and make a list of, let's talk about, uh, the, the song says, here I am, all my intentions, all my obsessions, I want to lay them all down. So we could go back and make a list of some of Jacob's intentions and obsessions. We've already spoken of the first two, his birthright, the birthright and the blessing, he, he got that. And then we see one of his intentions and obsessions was to marry Rachel. That part of his story is interesting. He falls madly in love with Rachel, but gets tricked into marrying her sister first. How about that for a story? He was a very hard worker and God blessed him tremendously. He worked flocks and had babies. You know, family and work, those can become obsessions. He had... um shall we say, interesting family dynamics with his father-in-law, not to mention that he had two wives that were sisters and maids, all of which that he had children with. <laughs> that starts to get a little complicated. So there's a lot of obsessions and intentions wrapped up in Jacob's story, but I'm leading you down this path to land finally in Genesis chapter 35, where he lays them all down on the altar of God at Bethel, where it all began, where where we started, where he said, you will be my God. God calls Jacob back to the place where he first surrendered. So let's look in Genesis 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel. And because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now, Jacob, obviously, at this point, had put up with other gods, little G, um, entering his household. Uh, His household was big, by the way. He had, you know, two wives. They had maids. They all had kids. They had servants and workers and lots and lots of livestock. So this is a big crowd of people, by the way, that were going to go up to Bethel. And he calls all all of these people in his life together to join him at the place where God first revealed himself to Jacob personally. But first, he called for purification. And so I I don't want you to miss all that. Perhaps that you are in a place where God is calling you back 
to that place where he revealed himself to you. You remember when you surrendered. You remember when he became your God. Or perhaps right now you're realizing you never fully surrendered. But he, he, he's still just God, but he's not your God. It's time to give him control. But he wants just you. He doesn't want your bag of gods, little G. He wants you to be holy because he is holy. He doesn't need you, but he still wants you. But he wants just you. He can redeem your story. He can give you a new name. That's what he did here with Jacob at Bethel. Full circle. Starts out as the one who deceives and ends up being the one who struggles with God. Jacob to Israel. And maybe that's what God is calling you to. Back to Bethel. This place where this house of God. This place where he met you and you first surrendered. And he wants you to cast off all of those impure things that you've allowed to sneak in. And just bring you so that he can have control and guide you and bless you, which is exactly what he does with Jacob. So I hope you read it for yourself. So what's next? Well, read Genesis 25 through at least Genesis 35. Read and keep on reading. Consider big ideas and then keep those in context of the big story. And remember that Jacob was real. But most of all, make God your God. Give him control of your life. He has a really great plan for it. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook me, Michelle L. Nizat, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. So when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. Now, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Jesse from Nevada, Corinne from somewhere in the U.S., Gladys from New York, C from Oregon, Tammy from Colorado, and Katie from Mississippi. Welcome. New subscribers to my website will benefit from an email that I send out once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. It's just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes. And while you're there, leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like ECIAL1965, who writes, this podcast is not just white noise. Michelle does such a wonderful job of extracting a clear, solid biblical message from the songs she selects. She's engaging, informative, encouraging, and very easy to listen to. I'm always challenged and inspired when I listen to each episode. Wow. Thank you so much for your kind review. It means a lot to me. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Where Were You by Ghost Ship to jump into scripture. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 204. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.